Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Welcome Jesse for right now. And thanks, Karen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Good to see Debbie. She she lives in Arizona half the time, but she's here. Glad you guys are here. Wow. Um, I'm excited about this morning. I did not bring my Bible and iPad to the front because I'm going to preach a sermon to you just from the overflow. I'm just joking. I'm not preaching this morning. All right. Some of you got scared. I'm excited. Um, I, I'm excited to introduce uh, Laura Rippey up here in just a moment. Um, this is going to be her first time to preach here at Overflow Church. Definitely not her first time to preach, though. And um, But I just wanted to tell you all real quick how blessed we are to have the Rippies right here at Overflow Church. Yep. <clears throat> they, how long have you guys been here? About two and a half years by now? Somewhere around that. Um, they, they came here, I think, right around the time that we got into the building, I think, huh? The, just the way that timing worked out, a little bit before that, I think. But um, So that's, that's awesome. But um, Laura spent three years, I believe, at Bethel, right? And did, th- did three years of BSSM. She interned with one of my good friends out there who's a pastor on staff named Ben Wilson. Um, he's awesome. And... But I, I remember Laura back in that environment a little bit, and she's a fireball. So you guys are going to experience some, some stuff, I think, today. But, uh, but, but the Lord brought them here. Like, God, God brings people in the right times for, for new seasons a lot of times, and, and he, he brings builders so that we can build to the next level. And Jessica had been working for a really long time trying to to get the children's ministry established, and she did a fantastic job with that. Um, but that's not necessarily Jessica's primary calling and gift to the church, but she's a builder, all right? She's a, she is a boss builder, too. But it was amazing because we, we reached a season, God's Cairo season, for a shift where um, Laura came and Sheldon, and they started serving with Jessica in the children's ministry and, and just totally an amazing postured heart to serve. Um, no agenda except just to help Jessica and the children's ministry succeed. But, but Jessica obviously saw the grace and wisdom that she carries and, and just pulled on that a lot, and, and Laura got to help bring wisdom, and she's got a lot of experience um, before Overflow doing this type of stuff, and a lot more, by the way. But, uh, but she, um, it just was very obvious that the time came when the Lord was like, "Let's, it's time to promote Laura in our environment," and she, we actually got to hire her. She's the, she's our first um, hire onto staff outside of Jessica and myself, and so she's our children's director part time on staff. But uh, man, she has been bringing it. She has been bringing it, and they've been building a children's ministry back there. It's not. It is not childcare. Like, they are training and equipping those kids, and, and those kids are, like, walking in the Holy Ghost, and they're getting trained in our core values, 
Like they're learning this stuff, not just head, but activity and, and interactivity. And they're walking in anointing. They're, they're having encounters with God back there. And they're prophesying over each other. I just heard somebody have a testimony just the other day that she got wrecked one day. I'm talking about one of the adult workers back there got wrecked because of little ones coming over and ministering to her, and the Lord showed up. That's awesome. And that's what the kingdom looks like. But, but that's what they're building with those kids. And, and you know, even the, the workers that are on their team, the teachers and the helpers, they're growing. Like, this isn't just a, you go serve and, and you just put your time in so you can do your church duty. No, they're actually growing and getting trained and equipped and actually learning the skills of ministry and everything, and it's awesome. They're doing a great job. But I'm saying all that just to tell you guys the quality of person that Laura is. And, and I don't know if you've picked up on this yet, but if you've been around her longer than 10 seconds, you already know what I'm going to say. She is a walking nuclear reactor waiting to explode. <laughs> she is. And you better just get, you better get your hunger on right now and your, like your, your honor on because you, you, receive, you receive the grace on a person when you honor grace on them, right? So she's got a lot of that. Um, and I, I told her this morning, I, I usually eat very light on a Sunday morning or when I'm getting ready to preach because I don't want to be standing up here burping in front of you. And I was like, man, Laura, you're preaching this morning. I forgot. I should have had a buffet and ate like a king because I'm going to sit right there and I'm going to pull up a footstool because I don't have to preach this morning. I'm going to but I'm just joking. I can't have a footstool because i got to be positioned like this, ready to go. Yeah. Ready to go. I'm going to receive with you guys. But why don't you guys welcome up here, Laura, and get ready. Yeah, don't, don't just receive a message, but an impartation today. Amen. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's an honor to, to be here. It's an honor to be at Overflow. Don't you want to be in a church where God's where God is there? Yeah. Man. Like we want to be a part of something where God is there. Amen. Amen. When we first moved here, the Lord told us don't we prayed and prayed for direction for a church when we moved here. We moved here April 3 years ago. The Lord said, "Don't go where I'm going to pass over." I was like, "Okay, that's not what I thought you were going to say." But, okay, wow. So, um, yeah, we're so happy to be here. Is this mic okay? Okay. Oh, how to at the bottom? Thank you, Greg. Um, so, yeah, it's an honor to be speaking. I, I really um, sense that what's going to happen today is that there's going to be an impartation released. It's going to be an impartation of God's heart, and it's going to be fire. It's going to, the Holy Spirit's coming to ignite. He's going, he's going to come and ignite and passion and tenacity. Okay. Um, Would you like to hear a few testimonies of the kids? By the way, the testimony that Jesse was just talking about, that was Stephanie. That was when, um, during a a service, um, actually that was in May. I, I'm always looking for if God's on a particular kid every Sunday. And um, this particular Sunday, I'm just like, man, there is an anointing. There is a grace on little Caleb, who just turned three, and little Eliza, 
who's not yet three. And I said, come here, come here. And I took them around, I grabbed their hand, and I started laying their hands on everybody in the room. Stephanie had, she, quote, her words, the most powerful encounter she's had to date from two three-year-olds laying hands on her. It, glory to God. Seriously, it's God. And we make space for him. He comes. It's God. So glory to God. Okay. So uh, last Sunday, we had the kids ask the Lord, how are you leading me this summer? Meaning, in what way, Jesus, are you going to establish me this summer with you? How are you leading me this summer? And what are you going to do in me this summer? Okay. I'm just going to share a couple. We had them wait on the Lord. And um, little Zeke, age five, he sees a picture. Immediately, he goes to his knees. Is this, am I okay? Yeah. Do, do, do. <laughs> Here comes Dennis. Zeke, age five. I said, let's wait on the Lord. He immediately, without any prompting, gets on his knees out like this. On the Lord. Check. Let me turn it off. Let me turn it off. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Dennis. Okay. I think we're good. So he waits on the Lord. He sees a picture. Catch this. Sees a picture of he and Jesus in heaven. And another picture where he and Jesus are walking down a hallway where there's green and orange gemstones on the wall. Can somebody say heavenly encounter? We asked Jesus, how are you, how are you going to lead me this summer? He sees a picture of a heavenly encounter. <sighs> I'm only going to share a couple. Claire, Claire, uh, she'll be in fifth grade this coming year. She sees a path of light with green meadows around and the stream and hears that she will be light, walking on light. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Psalm 23, man, come on. Yeah. Um, one more. Simone, she sees Jesus helping her make friends at camp. Come on, do you know Jesus knows our hearts and he knows our thoughts? He knows our desires? It's amazing. Okay, just one more. Livy has a picture of her swimming, and Jessica helps her for a moment dive deeper into that. Well, the word was that he was going to help her be brave to swim. The backstory of that was that she's been terrified to swim. Hello? Hello? Isn't that amazing? She just had a swimming breakthrough this week. Come on. Come on. Jesus loves to lead us. He loves to lead the children, too. He's so good, so good. Okay. So today, I believe an impartation is going to be released. Um, 
And the Holy Spirit is. He's coming to ignite um, because we're called to be tenacious in these days and passionate in these days. Um, during this time, I really believe that we have this invitation from the Lord and this opportunity to think bigger about our personal prophetic destinies, to think, okay, more impact, more influence about our personal callings. We have the, the invitation is always there from the Lord because he thinks generationally, but we have, I believe, in this time to, to be invited into a place where we get the mind of Christ to think like him, which is generationally. So oftentimes I'm wondering, like, God, and, and, and this is something I've thought for years, like, Lord, what are you doing over our generation? And what are you doing? What are you going to do over the generation to come? It's good for us to think like that, to think past ourselves, past our family, past our community, and think generationally, okay? Um, what I believe, one of the things that he's doing among many things, is that he is raising us up to be deliverers of deliverers. Deliverers of deliverers. And all the time, every time God operates in deliverance, it's delivering from something into something. Okay, so um, how many of you know that in Scripture we can see that every time God was getting ready to birth and raise up a deliverer for a generation, for a nation, for a people group, the enemy would come to try to annihilate the whole generation. How many of you know that? Okay, you've probably heard, maybe some of you heard Bob Jones prophesy it or other people talk about it. We can see that in Moses' life because God was getting ready to birth up and raise up Moses. He was called to be a deliverer of the nation Israel, bring them into the promised land. So what did the enemy do? He ordered the midwives through Pharaoh to take out the babies on the birth stools. And then when they didn't follow through with those orders, he decided, I'm going to take matters into my own hands, and I'm going to put out a decree to take out all the babies. Okay? Again, when God's raising up a deliverer, the enemy can try to come to annihilate a generation of deliverers. It happened, Jesse touched on it last week with G Jesus. It happened the same time in Jesus' um, Jesus's day. Um, and it happened again. I'm not going to teach on this or preach on this, but it happened in 1973 when abortion was legalized. Because at that time, it wasn't just one deliverer being born, Moses, Jesus. It was a generation of deliverers being born and God raising them up and the enemy coming to then annihilate a generation. Why? Because a generation at that time in the 70s and still now it's happening a generation of deliverers are being born. Amen. Wow. Think about this. Moses was delivering them out of Egypt into the promised land, out of bondage into freedom. Jesus, from darkness into light, from law into the kingdom. 
And so as like a kids leader, knowing that history, as a kids leader, I like sit back time and time again and I'm like, Jesus, delivering. Hmm. A generation of deliverers, delivering us from what? Into what? As a leader, I'm observing and asking God and, and thanking God for raising up a generation of deliverers. But I'm asking, Lord, and I'm thinking, like, years ago I thought, what, what will the children be delivering us from? And what will the children be delivering us into? Come on. Have you ever thought about that? The, yeah, come on. Greg said, I am now. <laughs> Sometimes, we're going to go to Genesis 12. Sometimes when a promise of God is spoken and the will of God is known, that promise can be threatened, okay, for various reasons. And God will. He'll raise up people to stand in the gap and deliver from something into something, okay? So let's go to this promise, Genesis 12. Hallelujah. I know. I, are you okay? Fire hose. <laughs> Ignite, right? Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all the families, as all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so we have this promise, and... This is the Abrahamic covenant between God and Abraham and his lineage. And Abraham and his lineage then, they have an invitation from God to think bigger about their personal destinies. Wow. We have that invitation from God. Okay. Fast forward. I want you to go to Genesis 50. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, that was the promise, the Abrahamic covenant. Now, years have passed. Okay. There was around 220 years from the time of Jacob entering into Egypt, from the time of the Abrahamic covenant, until Jacob entering into Egypt around 220 years. So years have passed. Now, that promise that God gave Abraham, parts of it had come to pass. But had it all come to pass? No, they hadn't fully seen it. They, haven't, they hadn't fully seen it yet, right? So time has passed. Does the promise still stand? Yes. God's word doesn't return void. Um, Joseph now is on his deathbed. 
So even more time had passed because Joseph, uh, Jacob, let me see if I can do the math. Jake, math, help Lord bring the anointing. Jacob was, uh, I think, around 135 when he entered into Egypt. And he was almost 150, 140 something when he died. Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now, Joseph was the second youngest son. He's on his deathbed in Egypt. Okay. Now, Joseph, first, Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him and put him in a coffin in Egypt. So Joseph, he is on his deathbed. Years have passed from this promise, and he brings his brothers, probably his 12 brothers, to him. And he brings probably the head of the 12 tribes to him. And he gives them an oath. And it's almost like he was saying, look, I, I swear to you, I promise you, God will do this. Now, the Hebrewic culture was one of oral tradition. So Joseph would have known. He would have known about the covenant with God and his great-grandfather, Abraham. He would have known about the encounter his father, Jacob, had. Whenever his name was changed to Israel, he would have known about that because it was oral tradition. They would have gathered the children and the grandchildren and all the people and even some of the, the people that worked for them. They would have gathered them together. They would have told the family, passed down, the stories, the testimonies, the wonders, and the works of God over and over and over again. So Joseph, he's not only speaking out of his personal well, but he's speaking out of um, his relationship with God through the lineage of faith. He's saying, look, I, I am sure God will visit you and bring you into the land, the land of Canaan, Israel, because I know him. I know him, and I know he will do this. I know him. My family knows him. My father knew him. My grandfather knew him. My great-grandfather knew him. We know him. He will do, and it's, it's like he was saying, look, I know him. He will do what he says he will do. Yes. He will, because I know him. Amen. Okay. He makes this faith decree that it will come to pass. Promise over the generation. Yes. Ah, the promise over the generation. Okay. Now, turn to Exodus 1. Thus where we will camp for a moment. Okay. You know, Joseph was on his deathbed. 
he gives them this faith decree, this oath. And do you know, <laughs> that was also so that he could ignite their faith. It wasn't just like, I know him, I'm telling you this, this is business. No, he was saying, be tenacious and pass down through your family lines and through the tribes tenacity to believe and hold on and have the vision. Keep the course because it's going to happen no matter what. No matter what threat, it will happen. So be tenacious. That was his faith decree. Okay? Now fast forward from Joseph dying until Moses being born, there was, pro there was like between 250 and 400 years. So we're talking about hundreds of years later from this original promise. Like hundreds of years later. Okay? Exodus 1, verse 7. New Pharaoh. Hey, new threat. <laughs> but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. Remember, they're still in Egypt and they're growing and they're multiplying. And they grew exceedingly mighty and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Um, okay, first of all, let me just say something as a teacher. Um, it would have been almost impossible for this new Pharaoh to not know about Joseph's work. The Egyptians in ancient Egypt were, uh, had meticulous records. And they would have been recorded on stone, and they would have been recorded on papyrus, and they had amazing systems for record keeping and um, documenting history. Now, occasionally, a uh, nation group would come in and destroy storehouses where some records of history were destroyed. However, whenever there was, especially whenever there was a testimony of something in favor of the Egyptians, it was always recorded. So for this Pharaoh to not know the works of Joseph, I have to ask myself, that's interesting. Why? Because you should have. <laughs> you should have, and you could have. It's interesting. Verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Wow. Now, this is years later, but again, they kept great records. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. So he's possessed by wealth and power and influence and dominion, demon-possessed, and uh, um, probably had, well, we know he had a very hard heart against God and seemingly no reverence for their God, okay? Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithon and Ramses. These most likely were built by stone, by the way, 
And these supply cities would have been storehouse cities. The, the Israelites would have been helping to build temples and build the buildings where the bricks went and things like that. It was extremely hard work. But the more they afflicted them, verse 12, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So there's a new threat. So time has passed. Hundreds of years later, there is this measure of blessing and favor over the Israelites. Okay? But now we're in this new time period. And does the promise still stand? Yeah, the promise still stands. But timing is everything. Because, because the fulfillment was about to come. I want you to catch this. Because the fulfillment was about to come, the threats were calculated. And they were, they were obvious over the generation. Well, what happens when our promises over a generation are threatened? What does God do? Ha ha! He raised up, he's doing it to us right now, he raised up the midwives and he raised up Moses. Deliverers and a deliverer to deliver a generation. Verse 13, so the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. Now, remember, I can almost guarantee that this Pharaoh would have known about the works of Joseph and the, the testimony of favor through his life because it would have saved the Egyptian people. Sometimes in their record keeping, they would have trashed the record if it was like Egypt was defeated or whatever. But they, he saved a, an Egyptian nation. It was recorded. I guarantee it. Okay. He chose. This is my suggestion. He chose not to see the works of God. Verse 14, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. So before they're working with stone, now they're making the bricks with mud, with clay, with straw. They said that they were working in the field. So it went from hard labor as slave to hard slave labor. And they were the favored people. <sighs> did the promise still stand? Yes. yes, it did. And it was about to be fulfilled. So the threat was increased. But God was moving behind the scenes. Verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name one was Shipra and the other one was Puah. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it's a son, then you shall kill him. And if it's a daughter, then she shall live. Okay? On the birth stool, meaning baby still has the umbilical cord attached. If it's a boy, kill it. 
post-term abortion. Verse 17. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Deliverers of deliverers. Did not do what Pharaoh told them to do because they feared God. What, what, man, have you ever thought about like with a healthy fear of God, with a little bit of vision and a little bit of revelation, watch out what you will do for God with a healthy fear of God and some vision and revelation, watch out. That'll make you say no to things and that'll make you say yes to things. Not only for yourself or your family, but for your generation. I believe that, and we don't know, history won't, it's not really recorded if those midwives were um, Egyptian or Israel, Israelite women. I mean, if they were Egyptian, they feared God, so they had an awe about their God. And they would have seen the blessing and the favor and the multiplication, for goodness sakes. And they would have been like, I'm not touching that. No way. Their God that they serve is way too powerful and mighty. I'm not touching it. And if they were Israelite women, they would have known about the promise. They would have known because of oral tradition. It would have been passed down. Listen, the works of God in Hebrew culture were passed down generationally, one after stories. All the children, they could have pulled any child and said, tell me about this, this, and that child would have been like, oh, this, this, and this happened. They would have known because it was part of their lifestyle. So if they were Israelite women, they would have known about the promise and the covenant between God and Abraham. And they would have known it hasn't fully come to pass yet because we're not in the land of Canaan. Hmm. Wow. Either way, if they were Egyptian or Israelite women, they would have had revelation and vision. And you mix that with the fear of God. That combination will... Um, it goes past boldness. It's like you're willing to pay a price. You're willing, you're willing to pay a price with some healthy fear of the Lord, with some vision and revelation. No matter the threat. Do you think that they, they, they knew that they could have died? They knew they could have died. They knew they could have died that day. <sighs> Man, that combination will, it will, you'll be willing to pay a price. Yeah. <sighs> Let's keep reading. Verse 18. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the midwives 
Oh, and the midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. <laughs> they knew he was at, he, they're midwives. They knew what he was asking them to do. Post-term abortion, do it. They knew that. Well, they give birth before we get there. doesn't matter. He wanted them to kill him anyway. Therefore, God dwelt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. So before, after a new pharaoh was in town, they grew mighty. After the midwives were willing to pay a price for a generation to see a promise fulfilled and deliver them, they grew very mighty. God multiplied. He multiplied their anointing. He multiplied what was on their, their lives, their generation, the favor. It was all increased. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. Wow. Even if they were Egyptian, God provided households for them, blessed them. If they were Egyptian, they didn't serve God or grow up serving God. And God's like, thank you for standing in the gap. I'm going to bless you. Thank you for being willing to pay a price. <sighs> powerful. They were powerful. So Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, every son who was born, this is all the people of the land, Egyptian, Israelite, other nations who were slaves, and the, all people, all people, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall stay alive. And God's like, all right, then I'll raise up Moses. He's going to, because the time has come. Timing. The time had come for the promise to get fulfilled. And we know some of the threats today of our generation, like over our children and youth. We know that. I believe promises are about to be fulfilled in our generation. Just like in Exodus 1, it's like the threat, the time had come, and the threat was calculated and clear. You can, you can see the same thing today. You can see the same thing today. And God is doing what then for us? Like, oh, I don't, I don't, no. He's like, stand up. You're going to be a midwife, and you're going to be like Moses. You're going to deliver the deliverers. It's powerful. So with this word, I, I believe with this word, there is an impartation, but when you, when you go home this week, and you're thinking, you're like washing dishes, and like thinking of, about God, and this word is going to start settling and the roots are going to start going down. And you're going to be like, am I a deliverer? Man, heck yes, you are. I am too. So are you. So are those kids, man. God has, he has spoken uh, promises over our generation. The kingdom of God is always 
increasing. There is no end, Isaiah 9. It always increases. Daniel 4, 3, it's everlasting, the kingdom of God. And there's too much. um, Oh, and you know, I believe there's glory and growth happening right now. So the threat gets louder and the glory gets bigger. Bring it. Mm-hmm. You know, God was with the midwives. And again, you have to think like, as a teacher, I'm always thinking, they were, what if they were Egyptian? But God was with them. Favor. God is with us. He's with us just like he was with them. He's with us just like he was with Moses. Like practically, in my prayer life right now, and in my current and future perspective for a generation, like I'm staking my ground for so much right now. And I bet all of you personally, family, and generationally, you're staking your ground for so much right now. And God is with us in that staking of the ground. There's like an igniting happening right now for families in this room. Igniting. It goes past hope into belief. And that belief is rooted in fire of God. That he is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. And it goes past us into the generation. Like, you guys, for you personally, for your family, for this generation, like, we believe, we believe in the victory of Jesus. Like, the restoration of Jesus that he paid for. Like, the rule and the reign of Jesus that that he, he paid for. He brought a rule and a reign, a victory and a restoration for our generation. And we get to be um, imparted into with that vision and that revelation. Because with that healthy fear of God, it ignites us to stake the ground and be willing to say no to things for a generation and yes to things for a generation until we fully fully see promises come to pass. Because that's God's heart. That promises will fully come to pass. Fully. (sighs) Hallelujah. Okay, I want to share a prophetic word I got with you. And this word I got uh, now. This word, every time I read it, I cry. So I may cry. Um, That doesn't bother me, and it doesn't bother you, so I'm just letting you know. Um, But I got this prophetic word when I was at BSSM in first year, November of 2013. And the backstory of this word was that um, I was a teacher in Colorado. I grew up here in Indiana. There's my mom and dad around Sheldon. What's up, mom and dad? (laughs) My mom's like, okay, Laura, thanks. Don't bring attention to me. (laughs) 
Um, but I was a teacher in Colorado for seven years. I sold all my belongings and I resigned from my teaching job and I had a lot of ministry opportunities coming in Colorado, a lot of opportunity coming and I said no to all that so that I could move to Redding, California and go to BSSM to have more of God and do the next leg of the race. So when I get to Reading, I move into a house. I rented a room that was really dysfunctional. So I left that place. I found a new place to live, rented a room in somebody else's house. I got a job. I told the Lord, I will do any job. I need a job. I, I, I would like a break from teaching. Ha ha. And um, <laughs> I had so much favor at this elementary school. I'm like, oh, Lord, this is ridiculous. I can't believe we're doing this again, but here we go. Back in the elementary school, okay. And I worked at Juniper Elementary, which was a, a rough population of kids. Homeless kids would be bused to our school. The kids that lived at the mission were bused to our school. It took me, I worked there for three years, every morning for three years while I was in BSSM. And um, it took me nine months to build trust with these kids because they had been so hurt by everyone in their lives. That's what kids do. They self-protect. They push everyone away because they can't handle anyone else hurting them. So they pushed me away for nine months. It took me to, that time to build trust. And it was hard work. I'm talking words I can't say. Hi, everybody watching online, like, shh, like, I won't say the words that they spoke over me. <laughs> lot of cussing. Lot, lot of cussing over me. Every single day, five days a week for nine months. Okay. Um, they didn't hate me. They just acted like they did. Um, and then... Three weeks after I was uh, moved into this house in Reading, the drug addict's son moves home. So I had rough, rough kids in the morning, every morning, five days a week, being, being called every name in the book, getting kicked, didn't matter. And um, then I would go to BSSM every afternoon and evening and I would pour out, and I would get poured into, and then I would go home and minister to a drug addict. Yes, all year. At that time, that's in September when I started school. At that time in November 2013, I was done. Done. Toast. Like, uh, I, I'm so done, God. I'm exhausted physically. I was sick. I'd been sick for like forever. I was exhausted. And I was like, I didn't, <clears throat> this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> I didn't just quit my job, sell all my belongings. I don't even know anybody here. And um, I, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm pouring out in the morning and it's super hard. BSSM was great. And then I would go home. And by the way, the son, you know, 
I was like a mother to him, and I was the safest, best mom he'd ever had. So I had zero fear that he would ever hurt me because I had such boundaries for him. He was scared of me. <laughs> he was. He's much taller than me and bigger than me, but afraid of me. And that's because I loved him like a son and I treated him like a son, which means there's gonna be boundaries. And he didn't cross those boundaries. Otherwise, I would have turned him into the police. You're not gonna do drug deals in front of me. If I see any illegal drugs, I'm calling the cops. You're not gonna steal anything from me. You're never gonna take my car. Not one thing is gonna be missing from my room, but I'll love you through the process because God's gonna heal you and deliver you. I prayed for him for nine months. The next year he went to Teen Challenge. Yeah. Get him, God, I so hope he's doing okay. He had been in four different rehabs by that time. But he and the mother, who I rented from, they were so codependent, there was no boundaries. So, but, Still hard work, very hard, okay? So that's the backstory of this prophetic word. And when I read to you this word, um, I, want you to, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to receive it as if God is saying over you too. Because when I got this, when I received this word from the Lord, I thought this word is not just for me. <laughs> I believe it's a word for a lot of people. And an impartation is going to happen when I read this word, okay? And if we catch it, if we catch it, this word, I believe God's going to set us on a fire with his heart for a generation. All right. Close your eyes. I'm going to read to you straight out of my journal, okay? I was done at school. I was walking into school telling the Lord, give my call to somebody else. I don't want it. I'm done. I do not want this call, this, this call for ministry and like raising up people and kids. Like, Give it to somebody else. I'm done. I'm resigning from school. I'm moving home. I'm doing something else. So Ben Wilson, my revival group pastor, he meets me at the door. And he comes to me, lays hands on my head, and starts prophesying. And he starts to cry. And, it, and this is where I will probably cry. <laughs> he says, Laura, Laura, I can hear him, Laura. The voices. And they're all saying, Laura, don't run. He's like, ah, all the children, like, all the children, Laura. I can hear them all. And they're saying, Laura, don't run. Please don't run. Save us. You have to save us. Please don't run. And they're saying, Laura. And Ben starts to prophesy, don't run. 
because the Lord has put authority in your hand. He's given you authority, but he's put authority in your hand. And your calling is like Moses. You're not a slave. You're chosen by God, an Israelite, chosen to save a nation. You don't have the call of Aaron, but of Moses. And he's commissioning you today for this call, Laura. The Lord has not called you, but he's chosen you. And if it looks too big, he's in it. There's a lot of tensions going on, like it's too big. I can't do it. Get somebody else. But just like Moses, the authority, Laura, it's in your hands. You're a bringer of good news, and all those people behind you get a benefit of the leadership. You're being chosen by God to save a nation. To have authority to hit the rock, to speak to God face to face, the burning bush. You have this call because you're face to face. And because you're face to face, you have this call. There's a tension of humility and serving the Lord and being a strong woman, laying down control in your desires for this leadership call. It's a leadership call to lead many people. There's a process right now of letting go of the pain and saying yes to the call. But they keep saying, Laura, don't run. Don't run, Laura, please save us. A marking happened for me that day. I was in an encounter, you can open your eyes, unless you're still receiving, then please do. I laid on the floor of the lobby of BSSM and like wept for three hours. It's awesome when God reads your thoughts and terrifying because you know he's asking you to pay a price. for a large, extended, future group of people. God marked me. I was so undone, I didn't go to class. I laid on the floor, wept three hours, stumbled out of there, I don't even know what time, got into my car, drove to Lima Ranch, for those of you who know Redding, Seth, and didn't I call you, Mom, on the phone? I'm like, I just had this encounter, this word. Didn't I call you on the phone? I'm like, I was undone. God is, listen, God is going to use us, and he's using us right now. This is a now word, a now word, because he's going to call us now to deliver a generation from bondage to sonship. This is huge for this generation and the future generation. From bondage into sonship. Massive. And today, our perspective is going higher. We're getting that 30,000 foot perspective higher.
and we get we get to have that opportunity while promises still stand <laughs> while promises still stand we have the opportunity right now from the holy spirit to think bigger more impact So what I want to do right now, we're going to take a couple minutes. I'm going to, can we put on that soaking track? Thanks, John. Um, we're going to take a, just like four minutes. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit two questions. Eve, everybody's going to do this, but two questions. What has God promised our generation? Our kids. Our future. What has he promised us and are we willing to pay a price like the midwives? Because I have to tell you something in true transparency. If we as the church, if we don't answer these questions, somebody will. Somebody else will. Somebody else will make that choice for my Ellie. I can't let that happen. And I, and I won't let it happen for your kids. I won't let it happen over Tyler, who God's marking today. Amazing. God's doing something over you, Tyler. And, and I, I won't let that happen. So the two questions are this. Holy Spirit, what have you promised over my generation? And Am I willing to pay a price? Yeah. So I want you to take a couple minutes because God's going to come mark you, sear you with tenacity and passion while we answer these questions. Ask him for a word or a picture. What are you doing over our generation? Fire. Who? Fire. Fire of God. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come that you would ignite hearts. Hey, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the angels ministering right now. Because the thing is, guys, to, to have that vision and revelation and healthy fear of the Lord, to operate in a, in a level of boldness and being willing to pay a price to deliver a generation, we will have God's power, heaven's backing, like all the resources of God. <laughs> like God is with us, man. He's here right now in this room. Hey, when you leave, he's with you. In whatever way God is going to use you and me to help save a generation deliver a generation we have heaven's backing 
There are so many more with us than against us. Fire. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. Put your hands on your heart. In a minute, I'm going to ask ministry team to come up and anyone can receive prayer. Parents, please go get your kids. Bring them back into this room. Because God's, God, listen, if God is marking us, he's going to double mark the kids. Because that's how God does it. He double marks the kids. Chosen. Next. Chosen. Next. Chosen. Come on. This is a big deal. It's like right now we are being lifted into a war room of heaven where Jesus, the joyful king, the lion over his children, and the lion over a generation, it roars. And that roar sends out a frequency into our hearts in the war room. It's an impartation. Yes, it is his heart. Yes, it is his roar. And it's because, guys, it's because promises haven't come fully to pass yet, but they will. Fire! Because God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. And we, (laughs) we partner with him. We partner with him. Let's put our hands on our heart. Just say, Holy Spirit, mark me, get me, sear me, send me, God. Now let's just wait. Whoa. Say, God, give me the vision. The revelation, the healthy fear of God, boldness, courage, and just tell him, if you are, whoa, if you are, just tell him right now to your mouth, if you are, that you're willing to pay a price. some of you are like, I I don't know what that price is. I think I'm willing. Like, I get there. I've been there many times. I get it. But God, he looks at our hearts. And he knows the end to right now. So he knows what the price is going to look like for you. You just have to be willing to trust him with the process. Whoa. And just tell him, thank you for marking me. And just tell him, thank you for your heart. 
and just tell him, I, I got to have your heart, God. Like, God's heart, it will, <laughs> you'll do crazy things for God when you have his heart, man. Deliverers of deliverers. And just tell him right now, you can use me, God. I'll be like a midwife. I'll be like Moses. Use me, God, to deliver a nation. Hey, fire! Whoa! Fire! Use me, God, to deliver a generation. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Overflow Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy.